barn. Give everybody a minute here. Figure out their lives. How's everybody? Velocity, buddy. Wave at everybody. <laughs> Make sure everybody feels welcome. Um, it is finally, it's actually, everything's melted. It's going to hit minus 20 this week, though, I hear. So um, let me see if I can. Uh, we're having Big Bad Victor. Victor. Victor with a K. I'm going to ask about that. Let me see here. Give me a second. It's always shocking when this thing actually works. You know that, eh? Yeah? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. You hear me? There we go. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, back up a little bit. There, uh... Got all, got all your stuff in frame. I gotta get, I gotta get represented. Right? <laughs> uh, it's all in. The what way. is with, what is with, uh, like you're like the, uh, uh, the Home Depot rigid though. What's I'm the both. difference? Well, I'm both, but rigid red doesn't pay attention to me as much because I don't use all the five thousand dollar drain auging tools. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's all right though. But yeah, that's how it started. Was was rigid red. Um, being in oil and gas, and we're using pipe wrenches like every day, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then when I wanted to look into a set of power tools, I got like the starter set, you know, like yeah. drill impact saw, recip, and then yeah. a lot of radio. And I was like, this is like way back in the early two thousands, and uh, I just went with them because that was who I liked using pipe wrenches. So yeah, that's kind of how it goes, right? Like you buy your first like two tools, and then you're let's then you're set for life right well you're, you're just you just don't deviate yeah pick your platform and you're there you go yeah exactly like it it just doesn't make sense for me to invest in a whole new platform no matter what so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well that's fantastic it's we're delighted to have you victor victor with a k that's right thank you it's good we're um, able to do this we've been kind of trying to do this for like months and months and I know. Yeah. It's, you're a busy boy. I'm a busy boy. There's lots going on, which is good. Yeah. So we can fit this in in between the craziness of the schedules. Yeah. It worked out good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having so, us. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. So tell us about yourself, Victor. Why is it Victor with a K? Uh, Do you even know? Um, my mother was born in Slovenia, so former Yugoslavia. There we go. So that's where the K comes from. And uh, she immigrated to Canada when she was around 20 or 21 or so. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she's lived all over the country, various cities and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's where the K comes from for sure. So Great. So you're like, uh, are you technically like first generation Canadian then? Is that what first, how that goes? Yeah. First gen, um, I guess. Technically, yeah, my father was born in New Brunswick, and there's, you know, history in that side of it. But, yeah, technically first gen and born in Calgary, Alberta. So one of the homegrown boys around here. There's not many of us left. You know no. that, eh? No, it's pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> they're all Saskatchewan or or way out on the East Coast, right? Yeah, they're, all, they're, they're from Newfoundland, Saskatchewan, or a mix of all the other provinces together. So, yeah. yeah. No, see, I would say it's heavily influenced the Saskatchewan for whatever reason, and then and then the East Coast for sure, and then a smattering of the rest. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And so, uh, do you? You must still have family back there, then. Yeah, I do the have floor. some cousins and uncles. Um, so, like, my mom was uh, one of seven kids. Yeah, she was the youngest, and the spread okay. from 
like the youngest to the oldest was like 20 years or so. Like it was traditional, like old farm family where they just kept having kids until they couldn't have kids anymore. And (laughs) we kind of have a little bit of a reference point on that one. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so uh, some of my uncles, unfortunately, I never uh, met, um, you know, served in in the great wars and stuff like that and, uh, you know, passed away, um, whether that was contributing to it or not. And then uh, I did meet uh, two of my aunts, and uh, okay. they're they're both gone now actually as well. But I was able to go over there when I was younger and meet them and and see the old traditional farms. Like the the oldest of the sisters, she was in her probably sixties or seventies and still going out milking by hand every morning. And it was like. You know, no TV in the house, you know, maybe one radio. Like, yeah, it was pretty old school. So it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like, we have no idea what that's like, right? No. Those, how those people lived just there. I don't even, I don't want to say it's solitary life because they were, it was all, but it was all about family and the land that they lived on. And that was it. Yeah. Right. Everybody knew their neighbors and where they were and what they were doing. And if you needed help to, fix fence or raise a barn or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever that's what they would do and and like there was vehicles you know they had the the pickup truck and the van or whatever to go to town and things like that they weren't you know like amish style or anything like that but it was just yeah. very 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 old school yeah very old in the country so yeah going into town was like the event though right like once a, you know either for uh whatever a couple of uh, weeks yeah, yeah. Yeah. pick up some pick up some supplies or it was it wasn't just to you know burn take a trip there was there was something behind it right there was purpose was, for, yeah for sure yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to look for mm-hmm. purpose yeah uh, well that's uh, like so what brought your mom over here just was there conflict over there that brought her here or no just she, decided- was, she was born in the former yugoslavia and if you want to do some research and and everybody listening to this if you want to do some research go look into that you can realize that the, um, I don't know, separation is the right word, but the the war that divided Yugoslavia into Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, um, all those different countries, you know, that started and ended in 1991. So it wasn't that long ago in terms no, of no. the world time clock. I, I was in high school and that was going on. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I, <laughs> when I went over there, it was after, I think it was 94. And the roads, like like picture Highway Two, like the rumble strips, yeah, the whole road because the tank tracks were still fresh. So like we'd be driving for whatever fifty kilometers on rumble strips. So you can imagine like the it's almost like a haunting <laughs> kind of sound, you know, like like this is so recent, you know. And uh, like my mom took me to her um, her original house in the small village. Yeah, completely leveled from like bombing and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was pretty eye opening when I was when I was young. I think I was about ten years old when I went there. So, um, but the reason she came over here, I think, was just she wanted to see what Canada was all about. You know, Canada's always had a good reputation for uh, being a place that if you can immigrate to and work hard, you can make a, a good spot for yourself. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's awesome. And uh, what did she do here? Did she did she what did, did she just get married and have kids or? But she um, so I have a half sister as well, who okay. is about jeez now I got to think about this sixteen years older than me. Oh yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> uh, then there's me, and yeah. so different marriages. So it was kind of uh, like two different families, but everyone kind of got along all together. So yeah. Um, she had, I believe what, what it was called in her background was like teacher's college. So I think that okay. was kind of similar to like what a college would be here, like Mount Royal was or Sate or whatever, like something like that. And yeah. um, so she, she worked mason, uh, mainly in accounting um, and had her CGA and all that and worked for various companies um, like Deloitte, uh, CCM, uh, Penn West, like a whole bunch of different oil and gas companies out here when she was out West, um, different industries when she was living out East. So, but yeah, accounting was the main thing. So yeah. Cool. Cool. That's all. So you're like, 
You're like the baby of the babies, then. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like, it, uh, some of my cousins... You're like an only of, child. Like, what, the, the, all, basically. All yeah. your aunts and uncles are like, what, that would be, like, 30 years older than you type of thing? Um, I have some cousins from New Brunswick that are younger than me. I think yeah. there's two, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then all of my, like, great cousins would be younger than me, obviously. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, like, one of the younger ones in the whole tree conglomerate if you will of everything so yeah that's yeah. good yeah and you said like you said born and raised in calgary so where'd you go to where'd you go to high school wisewood oh uh, oh i think i knew that yeah yeah so yeah. I actually I, I so i lived in new brunswick for five years uh when i was yeah. a kid um i think it was grade four to eight sort of yeah four um went out there for a little bit and came back here i Honestly, I like living out here way better. It's just kind of, this is home, right? Yeah. Uh, no matter how many migraine headaches I get, it's still home. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to Wisewood for uh, high school. I wasn't in the, what do you call it, border, you know, like how they separate. You have to go to this school because you live yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't in that border, but all the kids that I grew up with when I was living in Woodbine, we're going to Wisewood as well. You were supposed to go to Scarlet. I was, I know, actually, I was supposed to go to Manning. Because at that time, I was living mm. in Signal Hill area. Oh, okay, there you go. Or Central. And uh, what I did was I elected to take some of the international baccalaureate courses. Yeah. And the, these schools that offer that were either Western downtown or Wisewood. There so. It was basically like put your application to both and then see which school takes you because you're an outside of the district um, yeah. attendee or whatever. So, so yeah, so I ended up going to Wisewood and, you know, rejoined uh, a lot of my friends from when I was a kid and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, played basketball there at Wisewood, uh, as, as you're aware. Um, and yeah, that's right. You and, uh, you and Ollie know each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ollie, uh, he came, I was a senior and he would have been just entering high school when, uh, when yeah. I met him. So, yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah, small world. Small world. Yeah. It is. Right. And this yeah. crazy internet stuff only makes it smaller, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. So high school's done. What are you doing? Like where, what was your ambition? Be a billionaire or what? My ambition was, uh, I'm not in high school anymore. Sweet. Um, yeah. I, you and me both. That's actually, yeah, exactly. My, uh, you know, it's, it's funny about this. Like I was thinking about this before the interview today. So right out of high school, I went to Mount Royal college, which was still college at the time. Yeah. And I entered a uh, kinesiology university transfer program. Yeah. So it was to get your PE uh, certification for teaching as yeah. well as your kinesiology stuff. So I did that for a year and I was like, I don't want to do this for my job. Like I, I have this very, I have this very big issue with people who say, if you find something you enjoy doing working, you never work a day in your life because I don't agree with that at all. Like it's not true. I, I, and here's, here's the basis of this argument. Okay. If I really enjoy it, I want to do it as a leisure item, not as my job. Because right. eventually, I think no matter who you are, you're going to get sick of it doing it as your job because yeah. of all the other kind of BS that comes into it, right? Like, like if, yeah. you, if you love coaching hockey and your aspiration is to get to the NHL, you're going to have days when you're coaching in the NHL that you absolutely hate your life because of media right? uh, getting fired for, you know, nothing you can control or something like that. Like just all player stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I just said to myself, like, I don't want to be teaching physical education to kids. I don't want to be doing sports as my kind of career path. So yeah. I left uh, Mount Royal college after the first year. And then it was just kind of see where I'm going to go. And I did like, you know, the regular, I was already working in uh, bars and restaurants from the time I was 16. So I was working short order line cook when I was younger. Uh, I think my first like real job was like A&W in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. 
just because of where my birthday fell, I could get a job like earlier than a lot of my friends. Yeah. But like they would be like, you know, whatever, going out to play basketball or hang out in the field um, when they were like, like, you know, like, like not really doing much. And they'd be like, yeah. hey, let's go to A&W. And then I'd be working there. And they'd be like, well, how the hell are you working here? Well, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm making money. This is, this is sweet, you know. I can go yeah, buy yeah. a pair of sneakers if I want or something, you know, just <laughs> little. So um, so I, anyway, I was working like kind of bars and restaurants. When I turned 18, like the day I turned 18, I was behind the bar uh, doing like bar back and serving and things like that. So I continued that uh, into various restaurant bars and then um, the Glencoe Club, like um, yeah. the golf course and then the downtown club and stuff like that. And then yeah. working banquets and uh, big venues and weddings and things like that. So I was there kind of in and out for a few years. And then I figured oil and gas was a good sort of career path. And I went to SATE for my petroleum technology engineering stuff. So yeah. basically you did uh, a two-year program at SAIT and then you could transfer to university and then do three more years and then have your PN. Yeah. So I, the, the, the first two years of the program, like it's very jammed packed. Like it's, I think you do eight, eight courses, nine, nine, and nine for your yeah. semesters. Like it's very, right. yeah, like it's, it's intense. And, uh, yeah, very condensed. Yeah. So, I was splitting the first year into two. Uh, in between the first and second of my year, I went to work for Neighbors Production Services. Okay. So I, my off time, I was just doing service rigging there. So I was just basically a roughneck. Uh, realized like I didn't want to be a roughneck. So went back to school. And then uh, I got a job <laughs> with uh, Weather... Well, it was Precision Energy Services is who I did my interview with. And then I got a yeah. job with Weatherford because Weatherford bought out that division. And it was in the well testing and underbalance drilling division. And then at the end of the summer, I was like, I really like this. And I'm seeing that a lot of my friends, even if they're graduating that PNG tech or whatever you want to call it, the two year diploma, they're still having to get these kind of jobs to get experience. Yeah, because, yeah like, like I'd say oil and gas is one of the few uh, engineering types of trades or career paths where field experience is way more important than book experience like it's not like civil and structural it's just way different right yeah. um so then i ended up staying with weatherford uh for the next 10 years so there you go yeah 10 years and so were you up were you up in uh fort mac and all those places i avoided fort mac uh but oh, i was yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah, I, avoided <laughs> I, I have been to Cold Lake and like the Bonneville weapons range and all that stuff up there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically, if you went. Did messing happen? Yeah. So like 100 kilometers south of the territories in BC. Yeah, yeah. And then like, so you're up here, I guess. I don't know what this looks like on the camera. But basically, if you know where BC is, British Columbia, and you go to the yeah. northern section, go 100 kilometers below the territories and then draw like a big sort of crooked swipe. You know, yeah. through East Country, Grand Prairie, Red Deer, uh, Red Earth, like kind of like down that way, all the way through Brooks and then out to Weyburn. There we go. Saskatchewan. So that was kind of like my territory, if you would. It was just wherever we had to work. So we'd go there. But um, yeah, so I, I worked in the field for six years and then started moving out of the field uh, into a field superintendent job and then a training coordinator job. Um, technical specialist to the sales team. And then I changed divisions and worked kind of in a similar technical specialist type of role. Um, and then in 2016, the bottom was falling out of the bucket and everyone was getting laid off. So that's when I, I got laid off in January, 2016. So. There you go. Yeah. And so what, I mean, that, that's sort of the oil field life, whether you know it or not, right. When you get into it, it's, it's that, you know, the word around here is that boomer bust mentality where we need 10,000 people. And then two years later, like 20,000 people are laid off because there's nothing going on. Right. It's very cyclical. And what was kind of funny, like, well, not funny, I guess is the wrong word, but do you remember like the 2008 recession? Yep. It didn't hit Canada as bad as it hit the U S nope, it, it, it hit us a little bit. I mean, Oil was over a hundred bucks a barrel. And then like four weeks later, it was at 32. Like it was yeah. crazy. Right. So I had walked into my 
operations office in 2008 and I was like, can you give me a layoff slip? Like, like I asked them, like, can you give me this? Like, there's not enough work here for me to stay here. But if I quit, I'm kind of who they said, no, we're not, we're not starting layoffs yet. We're not going to entertain that. We still have enough work to spread around. And I'm like, okay, literally like 30 minutes later, like six guys got their layoff slips. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, well, they couldn't tell me they were doing that stuff, but they wanted to weed out some of the, the dead weight, I guess you would say. And then, yeah. Now the work was okay because we, you know, less guys to yeah. spread it around to. So, so I did, I did end up staying there for quite a while and, and made it through that first round. I mean, our expression was the closer to the wellhead you are, the, the safer your job is. And yep. in 2016, I was, you know, downtown on the 16th floor. So it, it is what it is. Like, yeah, yeah. that's what I do. The, the whole floor layoff type of thing, right? It was, I saw a lot of people walked out in 2015 yeah. and it's, it's kind of, it kind of wrecks your guts a bit when you see it happening and you're just basically waiting, like when is, when is my time coming kind of thing. Yeah. And very, uh, I don't know, it's a bad time when you're involved in all that and you know those people and you've worked with them for years and all that. So. And they're good people, right? Like they're not, yeah. it's not like you said, it's not like you're, you know, getting rid of the dead weight or some of the meatballs or you know, the hanger on, like you're cutting into the meat of your company when you're, when those things happen and you're letting good qualified, uh, hardworking people go. Yeah. Because. Yeah. And both of the divisions that I worked for in Weatherford aren't part of the company anymore. Like oh, it's really? Not, yeah. It's not even like, Oh, we're running on bare bones crews or anything. It's like they laid off everybody. It's either sold off or closed and boom, done. Done. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's, you know, I mean, as you know, growing up here, not everybody realizes that. I mean, it's literally the lifeblood of Alberta in many respects, and it, but it's that whole, you know, it's fa fabulous times or it's awful times. And we're on, in my lifetime, I'm on whatever it is, uh, version five of that. You're probably on version three of that yeah. where you're like, yeah. yeah, it's just how it goes. 10 or 15 year cycles of yeah and those who, who i guess are listening and they don't they're not involved in this kind of industry or it's not a main part of where they live i would kind of like picture it like so okay like bob baker is a master plumber right like yeah. you've been working say whatever it was like go back in time you've been working 10 11 years getting to the top of your trade and then yeah. someone comes in and says bob sorry we don't need you anymore and you can't do your trade anymore it's not that you yeah. can go to another company. It's no. that you can't do it because there no. is no work for you. So no, and I guess I, I guess I didn't really emphasize that when I I mean that's like when I said what did you do because that's like a like it's not like all right I'm going working I'm done working for PJs I'm gonna go work for Dicks over here and you know pay like, structure is a little bit different. There's a couple of different benefits. You know my office is. 20 minutes farther away or whatever the case may be. It's like, no man, there's nothing. There's nothing you're going to do. Yeah. So it's like a life changing event. Yeah. And, for sure. and so, I mean, did you, you must've had, Oh, you had, like you said, in 2015, you watched lots of people walk away. So the next year you're out, did you have a plan in place? Like what were you thinking? Um, in 2015, my plan was I can't quit because if I get laid off, at least I get my offer. Right. Right. So I'm just working as hard as I can, doing what I can to continue working and, and yeah. you know, get make your severance package and whatever else. Make, make the commission I can, make the bonuses I can, like just work, do my job. Like not, not blinders like this. Like I do know what's going on, but it was, yeah. it was still, uh, you know, do my job, do it to the best of my ability. And if it happens, it happens. And it did. So when it happened, I kind of like evaluated my finances and things like that. And I was like, okay, if I do absolutely nothing, like don't work at all, I'm still okay for the next eight months. Like all the bills are paid, mortgage yeah. is paid, truck payment is paid. I can eat grocery, like, like everything's good. Like for, and yeah. it's doing nothing. Like if I don't even return my empties, I can still you know, <laughs> be good for it. So I, I did that evaluation and then I started looking at just what, what can I do uh, to make income? That's kind of an extrapolated thought that 
well, I couldn't do that when I was working oil and gas because of the schedule and being away and, you know, being always on yeah. call things like that or whatever. Um, so that's one, one of the things I started doing was looking into refereeing hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a funny thing. Like people be like, Oh, like, what do you get? Like 15 bucks a game. It's like, no, you can actually make pretty good bank. Uh, especially when you progress to the higher levels. So it's crazy, right? Yeah. I'm going to ask you that. Sure. Like when I, when I was first married, I refereed basketball for yeah. the same reason. People are like, you're insane. I'm like, dude, I make $85 a game. And that was whatever yeah. that was 15, 20 years ago. Um, not for the little kids, but for, you know, the, the bigger stuff. And that it's a, back then it was like a three hour commitment for me to show up, ref the game. We usually did back to backs mm -hmm. and then, you know, so you're walking away with whatever that was 160 bucks for that four hour period. I'm like, that's not bad money. And there's, you got to buy some sneakers and they, and a stupid shirt. Yeah. You're off to the races, right? So do you guys do back-to-backs or do you just one game at a time? So when, when I started, uh, obviously, uh, I didn't grow up playing hockey. I grew up playing basketball. That was my sort of sport of choice. And yeah. it wasn't like I did basketball in the season and then off-season I did other stuff. Like I did three seasons of basketball all year round for since I was, I don't know, grade two. Right. Like that's all I did. So that's, yeah. that's a big reason why my, my ankles and my knees are completely shot. Um, because, and, and, you know, I've heard like Wayne Gretzky and stuff, like some of these elite athletes say this, like if you have kids playing sports, get them to do other things. Like he says, don't have kids playing spring hockey, have them play winter hockey and then play baseball or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause you're just going to overtrain and, and demolish your body by the time you're 40. And that's where I'm at right now. But what I realized was, since I didn't play hockey, like skating is not an impact type yeah. activity. Um, so I can skate like no problem and it doesn't hurt my ankles. I do wear knee braces for support, but that's just in case there's collisions and things like that. Yeah. But when I started, I was doing, I was only refing on the weekend. So it was Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. And I was doing between seven and nine games in three days. So I would do, either doubles and then a break and then another one or triple yep. straight through or whatever on Saturday, Sunday. And they started me at a level because I was an adult that you wouldn't necessarily start at if you were 14 or 15 starting out. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew the rules of the game. Like I've been watching hockey my whole life and big hockey fan. And, and I enjoy that and being a part of the game this way is kind of fun too now. So um, I was able to make my way up to even a series hockey uh my second year and oh good yeah my first clinic i kind of asked the instructor i said you know i'm in my 30s and i'm just starting like where where can i get some more training where can i get some education and and knowing how to do this better so i can progress quicker and he basically told me like at your age you should you will never reach a hockey like i'm just telling you this right now and i was like oh because of my age okay so that's when you decided to screw him and say i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> yeah exactly you you know me well enough if you tell yeah. me i can't do something what is gonna happen yeah i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna <laughs> do it I'm gonna do it exactly so like if you look at the uh the aj which is uh junior a um i think just in the last so it wouldn't have been two years ago because of the covid thing i think it was the year before the pandemic started yeah, year or two before they just had their first forty-year-old ref in the league. Oh, wow. yeah! When that happened, it like like blew up everything. It's like there's no more age restriction. It's like it, can you do the job or can you not do the job, right? Which is yeah. what I think it should be. Doesn't matter if you're male, female. I don't care yeah. if you do it. You can skate. You can keep up. You're smart with your calls. You're smart with your decisions. More power to you. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I started getting into the A series of uh, hockey games in my second year and moving up pretty quick. And then in 2020, I didn't ref. 2021, I didn't ref because I couldn't make any of the clinics because my side carpentry business uh, was mm -hmm. too busy. So I took two years off and then I came back this year and uh, back into it. And I did a junior game on Friday and a triple A on Saturday. So it's, yeah, it's, it's. It didn't go anywhere, you know, like everything's still there. So it's good. Yeah. 
And are they, is that something that they're, like, is there a demand for that? I mean, there's oh, so yeah. much hockey around here. I can't imagine that it's, and are you, and is it, uh, I mean, do you start in like the men's leagues? Is that where you had to start? Nope. Um, I started through uh, minor hockey through Hockey Alberta. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did do a little bit of men's leagues, but I just don't like dealing with jabronis and stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I had one what? guy said to me on a face off, like, you need to get this game in control. And I said, you need to get your life in control. We all have to go to work tomorrow. Exactly right. Everyone on the bench and everyone in the rink went silent. Because I said it pretty loud. Like, I have a pretty loud voice when I need to be. And kind of, like, backed off. And he was like, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, let's just chill here. So, uh, I don't know. There's no contracts being dispensed at the end of this game, dude. So, just relax, my man. Yeah, Yeah, like, I walked (laughs) off. I I didn't walk off. I finished the game. But I, I... exited the game after and i called that uh, coordinator and i was just like don't bother putting me on any more of these leagues like i just don't have any desire yeah. but so i don't do the men's leagues i do some special groups if they call me and say hey we need a ref for a game or whatever some some of the guys i know and stuff like that i'll do that but mainly yes. it's minor hockey through hockey alberta and uh i don't have to travel to stay busy which is good yeah so, that is good yeah, like like within your within your schedule, I guess, or whatever your interface, your application that you put in your availability, you can black out rinks. So like, I don't have to go to like Okotoks or Banff. Like, I could just black it out. So when they're looking for refs, if my availability is at that certain time, but it's not that certain rink, then it won't it won't show them. Yeah. So I have like the Cochrane rinks and Edge School, and that's all I need to do. Like, I don't need to. If if I wanted to, like, if I was younger, like, the two guys I refed with last night are 22. Their aspirations are to get to, like, major junior level. Yeah. They do as much hockey as they can. Like, they're doing 40 games in a month. Like, no problem. They're doing wherever they can. They go to Banff. They go to Cochrane. They go to Calgary. They go to Cremona. They go to Airdrie Red Deer. Like, wherever they need to go. So that more eyes can see them and the more hockey they get and all this I'm 38. I'm not going to be going to major junior. I'm just doing yeah. as exercise and some extra income. And because I like doing it, it's fun to kind of be part of the game, you know, still. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the, the teams we have in this town, like the junior B, the junior C and uh minor major triple A, which is U 17 triple A. Like it's good. Like yeah. they're all the kids who yeah, are drafted yeah. and going places right like they're good players so yeah yeah for sure that's awesome that edge school's insane eh? I, my daughter played a couple uh started playing some basketball up there and i saw so i as i usually do mm-hmm. took the tour of the whole place i'm like holy crap yeah yeah <laughs> two full-size rinks in there so you know eddie right yes eddie. i do yeah okay yeah, yeah. so when when i was at sate doing the petroleum ticket yeah, I did the announcing for the men's and women's basketball team. <laughs> so I was uh, the PA announcer for the basketball. So I knew Eddie and I knew a bunch of the players who were on the team because I'd actually played with them in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of cool too. But yeah, I've known Eddie for years. And, and then for uh, I played against Eddie for years. So that's. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was that was the first thing, I guess, if you want to say, like, what did I do in 2016 as a plan? The first thing was, like, okay, I can skate relatively well. Uh, yeah. Let's start looking into getting some gear, getting the equipment I need, get my clinics done, all that. And then another sort of side thing that started was my um, building partner in my carpentry business came to me and said, you know, I think we could start this sort of smaller agricultural shelter building business because – he was getting approached by people for the custom dimension and custom material sheds that you couldn't go to UFA or Canadian Tire or Home Depot or Home Hardware and buy. You know, they, yeah. you, you just couldn't. That's how we first interacted, right? Was with I, yeah. your stickers up today with the horseshoe and the horse, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the birth of Wild Rose Shelters was in. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we started and it was. I'd take everything out of my pickup truck, load all my tools, miter saw, table saw, whatever, drive to site. We'd build it on site. We'd tow it out to the pasture with the truck, whatever, load back up. And we just do that on the weekends. Like that was just how it started. 
and yeah. we just built a good client base and we've had a lot of business from return clients and it's never repairs. It's always just, we want more of this or we want this different thing. And then it culminated into that big Avery project we did last year with the timber poles and like that massive, like I'll never do that. That's again. crazy and impressive. It was, um, it was, it was very, very large. Like I, I hired, uh, I don't know if you know Braden Watt through Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I basically hired him as a carpenter apprentice to come help. Uh, so he was with us for weeks and weeks and he would drive down on the weekends and help us. Um, my wife helped, uh, her parents helped. Like we just hired hands, whatever we could just, this is what I need you to do. Can you, can you use a tape measure and cut a piece of wood? Great. I'll tell you how to put it together. Like, yeah, that's what I need. So that, that was a lot in 2021 that we were doing there, but yeah, so, so it was the refing started. It was the carpentry business that sort of kicked off that. And then getting into the career I'm in now with building operations, that was kind of a, a random left turn, but a, a, an operator got injured basically in the winter. Um, from what I know, uh, using a ladder in a um, back of a building and there was some ice and he slipped and broke his leg. So he was yes. off for a while and they needed somebody to come in as like a maintenance tech fill in for three months. So I walked in and, and was like, yeah, I know how to use tools. Like I was in long gas in the field. I don't know deck about HVAC. Like I, I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it, but yeah. I know how mechanical systems work, gas systems, plumbing. Like I just, I can understand it. I know a basic electrical to get me by things like that. So they said, okay, you know, we'll offer you this cash rate per hour, no benefits, no nothing. Uh, signed the three month contract and I said, yeah, sure. You know, I got nothing going on right now, except for these other two things that hockey yeah. was just finishing. So I signed that deal. And then two months into it, they brought me into the office and said, would you consider working full time? And, you know, I didn't really have other prospects coming at me right then. And I was like, you know, I kind of like this, like it's, it's different every day. You know, and it goes back to it that. It, yeah, it's different every day. Exactly. It goes back to that. If you find something that you really like, you'll never work a day in your life. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever that expression yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I totally yeah. screwed that up. But you know what I mean? I'm talking here. <laughs> we'll so go back, back to the beginning. Well, you said it right the first time. Yeah, I said it right the first time. <laughs> what is it? If you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your it's life. a day in your life. Okay. Yeah. So, what I love about this is that it's different every day. Like I'm not doing the same thing every day. So that's what I like about it. And that's where I really found it in myself. Like when I was doing in oil and gas was similar to that because every job I went to was different. Like sometimes we'd be working heavy oil. Sometimes we'd be working sour gas. Sometimes there's high pressure suite. Sometimes there are tight formations like wireline jobs, coil jobs, rig job. Like it was just, we encapsulated like everything, right? We got to work with every type of trade service in oil and gas in what my basis was. And that's totally what building operations is. So uh, two months in, they offered me full time and yeah, it's kind of taken off from there. So did you have to go back to say, did you get your power engineering stuff? I don't have my power engineering. It's on my list of things to do. Uh, the reason I didn't take it was most of the buildings, unless you're working in towers, don't have boilers anymore. Yeah. Uh, even the building that I did have a boiler in, uh, the footprint was just underneath the fifth class, uh, uh, what do you call it? Regulation, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. You, they measure it and then you get your kilowatts. So the ABSA kilowatt rating is if it's 20 decimal zero or larger, you need a fifth class. And all the buildings that I've had boilers in are like 19.98. <laughs> so like they're just under that. So I could still yeah. operate them and operate the boilers without needing my fifth, which has been great for me. Uh, what I did focus on was my systems maintenance technician designation, which yeah. is like a more larger scope of, of information. So it covers more stuff than power engineering does. Power engineering covers a little bit of the electrical and plumbing and stuff like that. Whereas the systems maintenance technician goes into it a lot more. Like it teaches you, okay, if you need to service a 347 motor, this is how you do it. Like if it's, it's more technical that way. And if you have your fourth class power engineering, it only gets you one course for your systems maintenance uh, technician. So, Oh yeah. So, so I did that. And then I'm working on my systems maintenance administrator right now, which is a step up from the technician and it's three more courses. 
and then you have to do a 25 out of 35 hours like skills um like you know i've done this i've done this and then you have to get your employers to sign off on those things that you've done and then there's a similar to similar to the apprenticeship program basically yeah yeah so like you know they, they have a large scope of things like within those 35 like one would be did you work on a submarine operating equipment because people who come out of the military can transfer some of that yeah. skill set into something else so obviously I, I, that's not you me. didn't check that box no i can't check that box. <laughs> but i can check you know have i supervised others have i operated boilers in a building have i gone through tender processes and um put contracts out to contractors and things like that so so there's a whole big list so you end up checking off whatever and the employers will sign off on your hours for that and then there's a continuing education component as well where you have to have a certain amount of continuing education every two years uh, to maintain that systems administrator status. So, so is that just the really administrator or once you get your tech, are you a tech forever? So, so I'm a tech forever. So I have that right now. Uh, and then yeah. once you're a systems maintenance administrator, that's the one they have to keep um, a current status, I guess you would say. Yeah. yeah. Revolving door on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And does that, I mean, obviously the scope is bigger. Does that uh, offer you more opportunities like yeah, in your field? Yeah, for sure. Like if, if you kind of look at the steps you would take, like from a maintenance technician to a building operator, to a senior building operator, operations supervisor, operations manager, director of operations, like that's kind of your, your, your progression. Um, yeah. I would like to stay in a capacity at least right now where i can still be out on the tools with the guys just because i think that's more of my strength um some of the the trades when they heard that i came back to my current employer and i had an operations supervisor position they're like yeah i didn't see you sitting in an office you know pushing papers and i'm like yeah no i'm still i'm still i, I might be in the office three or four days a month but i'm still out with the guys doing stuff and helping them out and trying to not necessarily train them on what they're doing because sometimes they just know what they're doing, but even just be there to help them and then maybe suggest like, Hey, here's a quicker idea to do this. Cause I've done this too. Have you tried this or whatever? Yeah. Some, it's just, you know, I don't want you on a 12 foot ladder when it's hurricane winds outside, I'm going to come hold the ladder for you. Like just something simple as that. Cause right. we work a lot by ourselves, right? Like there's no, there's no crew. So yeah. Yeah. And, and how many buildings are you looking after now? I think we're around 30 in Calgary at that okay yeah so we have some downtown stuff and then uh, a lot of retail strip outside of downtown uh, all four quadrants yeah 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 that's oh and that's freaking awesome um that's one of the things that i've been trying to get the boys but isaiah's got his ticket and i said dude that's great but you should you know you it's plumbing and gas there's a billion other things to learn about what we touch every day you should look into that, some of that system operation stuff and see what, uh, or in fact, I, I was telling them to look into power engineer. I won't lie to you. That's what you just said is sort of the first time I've heard about the systems operation side of things. So that, is that at SAID as well, or is that a different? No, it's through, um, I might screw up the acronym here, but it's through BOMI or BOMI Institute. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think it's Building Owners and Managers Institute. Yeah. And it's yeah. very... Uh, real estate property management focused. So they do the other side of it too, where you're looking at like real property administrators, facility maintenance um, coordinators, things like that, like the downtown office side of it, doing budgets and tenant relations and things like that. So they have yes. programs like that, or they have the operations style programs. And you don't necessarily have to jump right to the technician level. Like you can get um, different certificates as you go through. But I just didn't do that. Like, basically, if you look at the number of courses you need, you need five courses to do your systems maintenance technician. I just started doing all five and registered as a technician doing this program. You yeah. could take like three and then get your certificate, whatever that one's called. I can't remember at the moment, but um, it's through, it. through the BOMI, BOMI yeah, Institute. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It doesn't matter. It's anytime I talk to anybody, whether through here or just in the day to day on a different, you know, field that I'm not particularly uh, um, well versed in, like it's just the depth of, 
uh, education that goes into into it, the, the level of support that is there for people that you know sort of go down those paths is always it's stunning, frankly, and awesome that there's that sort of uh, backup for it. like nobody. There's no reason that you can't that you should be doing anything sort of willy nilly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Some, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I understand. There's so much education and support behind the, all that stuff, right? Yeah, like when I when I got that uh, offer uh, two months in, I immediately started looking like, okay, well, how do I improve like uh, the up here, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I took an HVAC optimization course through Bowman Calgary. I took my building operator level three uh, course. Like this was all within the first year. Yeah, started it from there and then just started looking like I did look at the power engineering and I'm like, yeah, this is a great course and a lot of places ask for it. But the only reason they're asking for it is because if they have a boiler that needs that through ABSA. And yeah. like, to be honest, I've had discussions with ABSA, like, can I just challenge the exam? And they've said, no, I need to do the course. I need to do my hours and everything. So like, if you look at gas fitting, I think uh, B is 400,000. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I can do up to half. B gives you half, up to half a million. Four ninety nine. Okay, so we would be out in oil and gas, um, taking, you know, like a big Joe regulator. Does that verbiage? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, tying a big Joe regulator into a pipeline, running all of the pipe work to a two yeah. BTU burner. Yeah. And then <laughs> adjusting the air fuel ratio with our hand in a tube until we got the right color. And when yeah. we were lighting them, we would light a methanol soaked rag on a stick and stick it in and then crack the valve on the pilot yeah. and, and watch your hard hat get blown back sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like this is what yeah. we did. And, and they're telling me that I can't work on half a million BTU. So, you know, it's, it's craziness. I have my A because it came as part of when I went to school, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, but even with, uh, so I, they made me take with one of the ho hotel chains that we look after, they said, you have to take your power engineering. I'm like, okay. I didn't know anything about it. That was 15 years ago. So I take it. It's all online, blah, blah, blah. I go to take my test in some, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, a 25 year old lady walks into this big, massive boiler room that we're working on. Or that we're going to, I'm going to take my sort of practicum on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's like, okay, so there's a problem with the boiler. What do you do? I'm like, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. And she's like, no, 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 wait, like, you got to back that up. I'm like, um, uh, shut off the, she's like, no, 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 you don't touch anything. You have to call a master plumber. I'm like, well, that's, I am a master plumber. They're making me take this course. She's like wait a second, what? Let me see your ticket. So I show her my ticket and she's like, let me just sign you off on this thing because you literally have to phone yourself to prove yourself to work on the, on the equipment that's in this room. So see, it's a, something that bothers me with like property management and building operations in general, especially yeah. in Canada, there's a lot of companies that oversee buildings and they're, operators it depends where you are regionally i think i think that's a big uh, discrepancy but yeah. i've had operators message me on instagram and stuff and they're like man i can't even change the light bulb where i work yeah and i'm like what and he's like, yeah i'm not allowed to be on a six foot ladder <laughs> it's like, true though you, right and they're like well i i call in the electrician i they're the coordinator they're the job coordinator they this trade goes here this trade goes there this is the work order we have did you get this finished like they're they're a coordinator, right? They're not yep. like a maintenance operations person to me. I don't think it's the right title for them, but I agree with you. I was shocked when and we had a long conversation, and a and a positive conversation with this uh, with this gal. I forget her name, but and she was with uh, um, APSA, and I don't know the power engineering conglomerate, whatever you want to call it, with that organization that she was with, but. She's like, yeah, no, basically your job is to shut off the power and call the plumber. Yeah. That's it. And, and that's your job. I'm like, that's like you just said. It's just, okay, so I'm doing all this work so that I can 
have a Rolodex and phone the people that I trust to come working on this stuff. So yeah. it's a bit bananas, right? Like even our downtown guys, like they're doing all of their water tests, blowdowns, adjustments on the fill and the, um, what do you want to call it? Pumps and everything, like what our rates are and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for like the hot water circulating. And then we actually have a oh, yeah. as well yeah. in our building. So they're doing all that stuff, right? They're a little yeah. more fun. But yeah, like what I always hear from trades that I encounter working with is like I I don't I don't see building operators do what you do. Right? Like when I call them and be like, Hey, this rooftop unit has a bunk pet pressure switch. Can you go to the supplier and pick one up and then go put it in? And they're like, well, yeah. how that? I'm like, because I know. Just bring <laughs> your photo of what you need to bring. I got to go to another work order. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then they'll call me and be like, yeah, it was a pressure switch. How'd you know that? I'm like, because I followed steps. Like, just don't discuss this more than we need to. Just fix it. Like, so I will admit, I will admit, Victor, you're the only building operator that that you and Pete were in that crazy stupid crawl space on whatever building that was. Yep. And Pete came home with the story. I'm like, Victor was in there with you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's... We deal with building, you know, operators all over the place, and no one's ever... Everybody's like, yeah, no, it's in there. And uh, call me when you're done. <laughs> like, you'd love this. So we had a, a roof leak called in uh, at a grocery store, and it turned out to be the MJ on the six-inch cast uh, was leaked. Yeah. And there's no hanger on the first horizontal. It's like a yeah. two-foot section. So it yeah. pitch went back pitch, so it sunk, right? Like you could see that it sunk out of the... So yeah. six-foot ladder onto the top of a dairy cooler, 12-foot ladder leaning against the wall all the way up. And I was through basically like a 12-inch square because the refrigeration lines and the hanger for the refrigeration okay. lines were right underneath... Yeah, roof train. Oh, you needed to work. Yeah, so I, I loosened the hanger a bit and come across, and like you know, I was surprised. It felt like I was like in a birth canal or something. I was putting my shoulder up like this, <laughs> and then I crawled up through, could barely get my waist up, and then I used my electric ratchet, my rigid yeah. electric ratchet, that one, <laughs> and so I was like as far as I could to get to this MJ, and it was loose as all heck. So I I tightened that one, tightened the next one. Tighten the next one, tighten that. I had my little uh, magnet level on the bottom of the pipe, so I kind of adjusted my pitch. But how I adjusted the pitch was putting a ratchet strap around it up to the roof truss. And then, oh, yeah, it, it it. yeah. So I'm doing all this, and, and it's like I could have called a plumber to come in and do it, but would the plumber have been able to fit where I was fitting? <laughs> and I mean, would he have the height. I would have had to send Pete. <laughs> He's the only one I've seen getting in smaller places than me. So yeah, exactly <laughs> up there. Yeah. So, so things like that, like I had one building operator with me, he was holding the ladder for me, standing on another ladder, like holding the 12 foot, right. Those so yeah. weren't unsafe. Like it was a safe um, process. It's as safe as an unsafe situation can be. Exactly. Which on, which it frankly is how lots of these things work. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, how can you do that? I'm like, listen, we're making, an unsafe situation as safe as possible. Yeah. So the risk is, is minimal, but there's, you never take all the risk out of a job, right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you never will. You never will. The, the, if yeah. you're dumb, like if you do something, if I was using my electric ratchet and it slipped out of my hand, it could have fallen 24 feet to the ground because yeah. I couldn't tie it off because I needed to be able to go all yeah. the way up. My tie offs aren't six feet long, they're three feet, right? So, yeah. It is, but I just I look at those kind of situations, and then I think some operators that just call and say, "Hey, fix this," instead of finding a solution that themselves to do, I just don't agree with. So, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I won't lie to you. I I would suggest to you, as an outside observer, that that's you know maybe comes from some of that old school, uh, you know, your heritage that you know, you went back and saw how things were done. You're like, listen, there's, we can just do things without, without being, just let me use my brain. Yeah. Let me figure out all the angles and, you know, be safe and, and uh, as uh, careful as I can be, but this is a solvable problem. 
with a little bit of brain power and you know so, some some proper use of uh, or inventive use of proper tools to make things work right yeah like i look at one of the properties i took care of years ago um the only way i could get to the pole lights to change the lamps was to bungee cord a 12-foot stepladder to them yeah and then the wind started coming and i was like yeah i don't know about this right like these are yeah. not good so I just said to my manager, I was like, I want to start being able to use a lift. Like, so I could just do the whole property at once, drive around up and down safe, nice and easy. Okay. Well, what do you need for a course? I need to go take this through the Alberta construction safety association. Okay. Sign up, go take it. You know, yeah. company reimburses you for uh, education to improve yourself. So I did that. And then yeah. next time I went to the property, you know, a rental lift got dropped off. I did all the things. It was great. Yeah. Hell of a lot safer than trying to do it with a ladder. That's for sure. Yeah. No doubt. And quicker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I promised everybody that we try and keep these things within within an hour or so. But you guys do your own little uh, maintenance podcast too, don't you? Yes. Don't yes. you guys get together? Yeah. Well, so give yourself a shout out on that. Yeah. It's uh, Maintenance Maniacs Podcast on Instagram is what uh, our handle is. Uh, you can also email us at maintenancemaniacspodcast at gmail.com. We're on all the major distributors, Google, Spotify, Apple, uh, Anchor app. Uh, we we try to do one once every month, and I'm slapping myself saying that right now because we're not. We just haven't been able to reach that. It's hard to do, right? Like, I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing. And then, yeah. anyway, Stuff life gets in the way, right? Different time zones. Um yeah, yeah. Seasons in the way. I'm playing hockey on Wednesday. I'm refing two days a week. Like it's stuff. You're a freaking goalie too, aren't you? What's that? Sorry. You're a goalie too. Yes. Yeah. I I played goalie a little bit like ten years ago. Did you? And, and you like said, it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's fun. And I said <laughs> I'm going to start getting back into it. So I bought some used equipment last spring. Uh, yeah. Uh, like five or six games in the spring. And then now I'm committed to, I think, 37 this winter. Did you play for different teams? Because I know, uh, like, that's a bit of a thing. Like, you need – like, goalies are hard to come by. You, If you want to know something, there's – and we can go over an hour if you want. I don't care. If, no, no, okay. There, there's an app called the Goalie Up app, I think it is. And okay. we'll put out requests. Like, I need a goalie at this rink. We'll pay you 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can literally make money playing goalie, right? <laughs> the ones I turned down this week alone, I would have made 160 bucks. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's so, so that's another option if you if you're out there and, and you're strapped, <laughs> get some goalie. There's a, <laughs> but, where uh, there's a will, there's a way, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Back to the podcast thing. It's yeah. Back to sorry, I, I derailed um, you there for a second. Yeah, okay, it's all good. Uh, C. Wilcox, maintenance professional. Um, he's on Instagram as well. Yeah, we've got a, we have a few whatever. Yeah, chats back and forth. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's great. He's um, more in like the industrial side of maintenance, uh, working at a chemical plant. Um, so we kind yeah. of different aspects of the industry, and and basically the podcast started because we were both getting messages from people saying like, "Can you start a podcast?" Because we want to learn some more. That's what it started. Like. I really don't care if more than a hundred people listen to each episode, but if those, you know, 60, 70 people who were asking for it do, and you, they get something out of it, then that's great. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. And you've been doing that for what? Uh, a year or more now? Haven't yeah, you? about a year, I'd say. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Fascinating stuff. And where, so are you all over the country, like in the States as well? Is so, there, isn't there like four of you? On the podcast? No, it's just Chris and I. But we do oh, it's a we do what we call on call with an operator. Oh, and, there it is. Uh, an interview segment where we'll have yeah. our operations person come up. So we interviewed uh, at some guy with tools who's an operator in Texas. And then yeah. so, uh, no worries underscore I can fix it. Uh, Fabio, he's another operator that's based out of the US as well. So Oh that's cool. Yeah. And that uh, and that's going good. Yeah, yeah. Oh look at that. Okay, so listen, I'm gonna. It's gonna cut me off. I thought they got me back to the four hour thing. Didn't well, mean turbo do. I don't know. Is it, it, says, it says on here I got 14 seconds, and then it's gonna kill me. Okay. So let's let me. We'll end this, and then we'll we'll. I'll I'll invite you back in. We'll keep going. Sound good.